one need an outline for tonight? We finish up on relationships tonight. And so next week and all through the summer, we are going to be sticking on doctrine the entire time. Probably could go the next year on doctrine, year and a half on doctrine. And so we'll be on that for a while. We looked at last month the person of Jesus Christ. Next week, we will look at the work of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And so I hope that you'll be here and be faithful. I know summer is approaching, and summer is a good thing. Vacations are good, I hope. How many of you have a vacation plan for the summer? Anybody got a vacation plan? And uh, you should get away. You should get some time away. Don't vacation on God. Make sure you stay faithful to God. And don't take a vacation from your Bible reading and prayer. But vacations are a good thing. You don't need to be gone all the time, but vacations are good. And if you can't do it now, at some point you might be able to. Be content where you're at and whatever God's got for you. And where you have an exciting summer. I was looking at our summer schedule. It's a busy summer. I'm always busy. And then we got a wedding in Minnesota to go drive to in the middle of it there in August. And so that will be fun. And trip with all the kids. That just so, sounds so much fun, doesn't it? Yeah. That would be, that'd be a long time. And so I remember the last time we did a road trip. We almost, and I should even share this story. But we did, uh, we, it was a family thing in Missouri, and we got there and had a good time, and on the way back, you know, I decided, William, I, we were, we stopped to get food about 40 minutes from here, and everyone was tired of being in the car, and all I did was I said, all right, William, you pray for everybody's dinner, and he wouldn't, and I said, you're not eating till you pray for the meal, and everyone's done with being in the car, and he would not pray, and you say those words, you got to follow through on what you say said, I'm going to pull this car over, and until you pray, we're not going to even move the car. And I think I had to, like, help him repeat it after me, and we got it done. But, yeah, it's like, why did you say something like that? Ever say things as a parent, and you're like, and you got to follow, you need to follow through on what you say, you should. But, yeah, we got a little tired after that. But, anyways, yeah, I don't know where that story came from, but it came. Um, tomorrow, the seniors in our church, the senior citizens, sometimes we get confused with juniors, and someone's like, you're having a junior-senior trip. Why are you taking the seniors on a... I said, uh, no, 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 no. They can barely go 30 minutes to Knott's Berry Farm, and that's a long enough trip for them. But um, tomorrow is the senior lunch at um, Polly's Pies. Those who want to ride the shuttle will leave here around 11, and uh, we'll meet over there. It's in Norco, and so we'll meet there tomorrow. I think it's on Hamner and Norco around 2nd Street, maybe a little south of that right there and then on saturday is our outreach uh, reaching our community for the month 9 30 breakfast and we'll go out and uh pass out some door hangers and have a good time together and then we're just a couple weeks away from our school's graduation and that's exciting are you guys ready to graduate high school no well it's only a couple weeks away ready or not here it comes i remember those days it was one of those things where you get really excited like i'm just about done and then as it gets to the very end, you're like, am I ready to be done? And yeah, it works out. You know, you're at the top of the everything, and then you go right back down and start college or whatever, or start a job, and you've got to build your way back up, but it's good. And so we're going to take our Bibles to 1 John chapter number 4 tonight. 1 John chapter number 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've taken the past five months, the five times we've met on the third week, and we've talked about um, the five love languages, and we've gone through those and talked extensively about those. 
The last one of the five love, love languages is touch. And I'm not going to go into detail about touch tonight. We've got a lot of kids in the room. I think you understand about touch. And touch is important. And there are some, like I could tell you with my kids, um, David, David's a hugger. He needs a hug. William will, might never need a hug. He'd be fine never giving a hug to anybody, and that's totally fine. One of the things in the police department as a chaplain, it's one of the funniest things, two of the chaplains are so opposite. One of the chaplains, I honestly think he would hug a street pole if it looked lonely. He will hug everybody and everything everywhere. And then, and they're the two that have been there the longest. The other one with him, he will not, he hates hugging. It's like one of the jokes that we say when we're together, as we're going through the department, or doing different things. Hey, this guy needs a hug. He loves hugs. And he hates anybody hugging him. The guy that is the hugger, he's going on uh, a sabbatical for three months from his church and everything. And so um, they kind of put me in charge of things during that time. But the one guy came, he said, there's no hugging policy while Mike's gone. And I'm like, I'm not, doing, I'm not messing with that. But he literally hugs everybody. And that, I could bet that's one of his, I bet that's his love language there. And some people, they like to hug. And some people, how many of you like to hug? Like to, yeah. And like Mona, she's that, uh, that usherette. She's not here tonight. I can talk about her. You're not here. I can talk about you. She hugs everybody that comes in the door. And I'm like, just calm down there just a little bit back there. And, um, but it's important. And the point of finding someone's love language is being able to express and show love to someone else. Because at the end of the day, we all want to be loved, and we want people to love us the way that we want to be loved. And the issue that c it comes down to is, in all reality, Jesus came to minister and to love others. How, and how did Jesus say everyone would know that his, they were followers of his if they love one another? And you've got to go out of your way, and love is a choice. Our world does a terrible job at trying to figure out what love is. But this is the problem. And you look at this world, this world believes in this thing of falling in love, Right? You ever heard that phrase? We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. But falling in love, I really don't believe that there, I think that's, that's fiction. You don't just fall in love. You get this magical little thought, and you got your little Prince Charming or your little princess, and then you get married, and then a few days into it, you realize, oh, this world is not so perfect after all. Love is a choice that we make. And we'll talk about that some tonight. But the problem, and that's where our world, they go through this fall in love stage, and then, oh, it's not as perfect as I thought it was going to be. Then they divorce and move on. That's what the world does. But when the day comes where reality kicks in and life isn't just as wonderful as you think it was going to be, you choose to love and you do what's right. But the problem is this world doesn't understand what true love is. That's why I encourage our young people. And we have a few young people here tonight, not a bunch, but even our younger kids, this is a good thing to listen up to. Far too many teenagers are so concerned about finding their, finding a boyfriend or finding a girlfriend. You know, if you like me, circle yes or no on this piece of paper, and uh, you know what I'm talking about. I would encourage you to encourage your teenagers and your young adults to get a solid relationship with God and it will teach you 
how to love someone, and you'll be ready for a relationship at some point. But don't worry about all those things today. You know, you're a sixth grade boy. Sixth grade boys just start beginning to realize, oh, I like girls. They don't have cooties anymore. They start wearing their deodorant. They start, it starts mattering, sixth, seventh, it starts mattering just a little bit to them. Just calm down a little bit and get to know God. Because you want a lasting relationship, it is built upon Jesus Christ and his love. And you say, well, how is that? First John chapter number 4, and look at verse number 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if so, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We look back at verse number 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. The problem with this world is this world really doesn't know how to love. Why? Because they don't know God. You cannot truly love apart from knowing God. And it's so important. We'll talk more about this tonight. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have. We love you. We need you. We praise you for who you are. We thank you for loving us. And we thank you for being our God. And we thank you for all that you do for us and your many blessings. Guide our thoughts tonight. Help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Those of you that are married in the room, think back to the first time you saw your spouse. Maybe you didn't like your spouse from the beginning. Maybe you really did. Let's just think here for a minute, okay? And so, can you remember, can someone tell me where you first met? Katie. The grocery store. In a shop, you were in a shopping cart? She was in a shopping cart. You should have said you were six, and I would have been like, okay, 20 in a shopping cart. But very, I'm very impressed. You know, at 20, I couldn't have fit in the big Costco cart. So, you know, that's good that you can fit in a cart at 20. That's good. All right, so they met at the grocery store. Manny, you should have known better. Anyways, someone else, where did you meet your thing when you first? Yes, John. The USO? All right. Johnette? Church. That's a good place to meet. That's good. Someone else? Anybody else? One? What? Church. You didn't like her. She didn't like you. You didn't like each other. You are pretty, you are opposites in a lot of things. It is pretty funny. But anyways, okay. That's good. Someone else? Edna. Church. Man, look at all these good church folks. That's so good to hear. Annette. Your daughter, oh, that was your daughter raising your hand? At a party, huh? Not church, you know. In front of his house. 
Oh, your best friend knew him. All right, anybody else? Caroline, where did you meet? Where did you meet? Chicago. Yeah, on a bus route in Chicago, the streets of Chicago. Yep, never forget that. She was in combat boots in the middle of winter. That's one of the first. You were, you were wearing combat boots. Yes, ma'am. I they were combat boots. You know, I'm sure they just passed them down from child to child in the family of 13. And it's the middle of winter. There's snow on the ground. I totally get that. Her for my first thought was combat boots. Her first thought was there's this dumb California boy without his jacket zipped up in the middle of winter. Am I right? That's what you thought. Exactly. Yes, I know. And so now start thinking with me for a minute here. And you kids in the room, just pay attention. You'll be all right here in a couple minutes. And so think about your first date. What did you do for your first date? Let's think on that for a minute tonight. First date. And if you shouldn't be sharing your first date, you don't have to, okay? And I, the snorting scares me a little bit. So what did you do for your first date? Gary. <laughs> they think it was miniature golfing. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love it. And so that's good. Someone else, can you remember first date? I got some of you that seem embarrassed to talk about first dates in the room. Caroline and I, our first date, guess what it was? We listened to preaching. It was a chapel date in Bible college. That was our first date. And we went to lunch afterwards. Wow, we really branched out big. You, yeah, that was, that was big stuff there. Cheap, cheap date. Anyway, so anybody else? Come on. No one else? Want, yes, Allison. Leonardo's? All right. Anybody else? No one else. You, you can't remember. After 56 years, I, would, I could understand that. But maybe it seems like an eternity. I understand that. That's all good. Anybody else? All right. Now, one. Beach. Was it a church activity or just the two of you? The question is, though, you both didn't like each other, so were you going to drown each other in the ocean or something? Maria's shaking her head, her head yes, I don't know. But, um, so, it starts out, you, and I'll, I'll say, so, I, I saw the combat boots, but I saw this cute face, and I thought, I could go on a date with her. That was my first thought. And then you have to investigate things a little bit, okay? And so I had to investigate. I knew the joke around the college was there are Osgoods everywhere. So I knew there were other Osgoods. It's like, you know, they're just everywhere. That's what, that was the little joke that some of us had. So I, didn't, so I went and asked her sister. I didn't know she was three years older than I am. And as a guy, the one thing you don't want to do is ask someone out and them say no. I didn't want that. I, you know, anybody like rejection in the room? Anybody like rejection? Any guys like rejection? So I wanted to know. So I went up to her sister, and her sister got this look on her face like, please don't be asking me on a date. Do not ask me on a date. That's what, that's what Heather's look on her face was. And then she was relieved to know, and she's like, oh yeah, she would, definitely. And so I just held on to that and waited to see what would happen. The next day at the college, she literally, I had no, the college is not that big, maybe seven or eight hundred students, it's not a huge college. But you look at things, and uh, 
I was in line for the next semester registration. And Caroline is at the front of the line there passing out papers. I'm like, oh boy, she's here. And so, you know, so I get up there and she says, hi, Brian. I'm like, whoa, she remembered my name. I've never had a girl remember my name. And so I thought, I'm gonna, and come to find out she purposely worked there that day to see me in line. You know, I was warned by my pastor that when you go to Bible college, that these girls who are seniors and you're a younger guy at college, you gotta watch out for the older girls because they're only there for their MRS degree. That's all they're there for. And so, and I didn't watch out too well. And so, anyways, we went on our first date. And then a couple weeks later was the Valentine's banquet there at the college and things started from there. And you know, you start dating someone from the beginning and some of you You've, it's been 56 years, so you might not remember exactly everything, but those of you, you go on a date, and, and when you're done, you're like, that person was awful. You probably didn't go on another date with that person. But, oh, I like this person. They're wonderful. And what happens? You start the process of falling in love, as everyone would say it. And so you, you start, what happens? You get obsessed by the person. You think about them. You want to go out on another date. And you spend more time together. And over time, if you have that connection, and you start spending more time together, and things get better and better, or so you think. You think, you're never going to fight. We're never going to fight. We love each other. Everything's always going to be perfect. This person will never irritate me. There's nothing they will do that will irritate me. And we go through and we get to this point where we fall in love and we come up with a false sense. The honest truth is, after dating my wife for a year and a half, and when we, and, and this is the thing. If you do things God's way, let me just give you a little side point here. God's way for a home and for marriage is not you live together before you get married. That is not God's way. You get married, and then you live together. That's how God wants you to do it. Now you might say, well, we didn't, well, you know, for going forward. You know how to teach your children. That's God's way of doing it. That's how God designed it. You say, but we live together. We had to know if we would like to live. Why? Why do you got to know? The problem is, and I go through a long list of things here. God has a design, and God knows the best way for a home to be established. And the best way for a home to be established is for there to be no sex till marriage. And not living together till marriage. That is God's design and God's plan. God's plan for every young person sitting in this room is to flee fornication and to stay clear of it. That's God's plan. That's what God's desire is. And you young people in the room should desire to go to your marriage altar pure with God's help. That's how God designed it. And, and I know some of you are like, Pastor, you're saying those words. The stuff you let your kids listen to nowadays, I said nothing. You'd be amazed what I hear from fourth and fifth graders. Be amazed. So I didn't even go down anything, and I'm stopping there. The more you get to know someone, you get kind of infatuated with them. I remember when Caroline and I told each other that we loved each other. 
Now, Bible college, the, the way we, it's weird, okay? Don't even, it's not real life. It's just weird. When you go through, you know, because like at Bible college, they had this thing, this stage called you like each other. Oh, I like you. Duh. I didn't, if I didn't like you, I wouldn't be going out with you, right? And going out with you is just spending time around the college campus because you can't go anywhere without a chaperone. That's how Bible college worked. I'm not bitter about it or anything like that. But um, there's these, and I, when we told each other that we loved one another, that was a big deal. Do you remember we talked the day after? And as we were talking, we were both kind of like in a fog, like, oh, all I can do is think about you right now. Nothing else matters. Where am I? I'm in Chicago on this bus route right now. All I can do is think about you. And she mocked the fact, she said the roses I bought her weren't red roses, but they were. Costco, that's where you go first, and it was as close to red as it could be, and it was only eleven ninety nine. It's a good price for a Bible college student. But the thing is, we get this sense like everything is perfect. You got your notes there. I'm going to give you a few things. I've already said a lot of these things, and then I'm going to go a little deeper. But being in love is really fiction. You really don't know that person very well. Oh, that, I just love spending time with her or spending time with him. But being in love is really fiction. And it all begins, first of all, with the obsession. You become obsessed with one another. You constantly think about one another. I remember, and, uh, and everybody does, like I said, don't take, I know the way it sounds with Bible college, it sounds like you guys were just, we yeah, it is weird, okay? But, you know, after, after you go on a date, a lot of times the girls would write a note to the guy thanking them for taking them on a date. And you would, I would sit there and read the note like three or four times to see if I could read the hidden message in between here. <laughs> Does she want to go out again, yes or no? That, and you say, I wouldn't, whatever, don't even go down that road. But you get obsessed. You, what, is, what is my girlfriend doing right now? Where, what's going on? And you, and you get this fake idea of what reality truly is. You get these thoughts. He or she, they're perfect. That's the next slide there, I think, isn't it? Is that not on there? Yeah, these experiences also known by these thoughts. He or she is perfect. And you, you do think those things. Wait till, you, wait till you get married. And wait till the socks, don't get, the socks don't magically walk to the hamper like they're supposed to. The clothes don't end up on the hanger right like they're supposed to. The toilet paper roll is put on backwards. The toothpaste is not done from the end. It's done from the very beginning. Caroline, a few weeks ago, I heard her over in the bathroom. She's like, what happened to the toothpaste? I wasn't going to say. I messed it up a little bit, but it was going to be okay. So I was going to fix it next time I brush my teeth. Why waste that little toothpaste? It's, in the, it's not like our mouth goes on the toothpaste thing, right? I could fix it. I had a plan, but, you know. And how many of you, do you, for the toilet paper, it goes over, right? Not under. Anybody say it goes under? William, you say it goes over. Someone in our house the other day, I'm in the, and it was under. So make sure it wasn't you. It goes up above, okay? But I remember when I was a kid, I'd purposely do it under just to get my dad. I don't know why I did that. And so I still do that. The other day I'm at their house and I did it under just to see if he would say anything. And he did. <laughs> and so there's some things that just don't change. 
But you get this idea, he or she, they're perfect. Um, nothing is more important than him or her. Life just doesn't matter. And you'll, we'll never be happy unless we're always together. These are the thoughts that we have. Now, the interesting thing is, they have researchers have studied it. The phase of falling in love lasts under two years. And then reality kicks in. That he or she is not perfect. He or she might have a mouth on them that says things that hurts you. He or she might be have individual thoughts and things are just a little different than what you thought they would be. The dangers that we run into with this in-love experience is it gives us an illusion that we have an intimate relationship that no one else has. That, uh, that it, and it's something we've got to be very careful about. And when we think about these things, it blinds us to the faults of others. And we're blinded and we think that every, but, and that they're, and I'll tell you, I got the closest to perfect there could be for a wife. And she got a perfect husband. I don't know how that worked out for her. That's not true. But in all reality, when you're falling in love, you don't notice the faults. You don't notice the irritating way they gulp their drink or the way that they do this thing or that thing, whatever the case may be. And that's one of the dangers of this falling in love. It also, number three, it leads us to false conclusions. And we got to be very, very careful with these things. And what happens is, and so researchers, and the research that's been done, in under two years, in about two years, this comes to a head. So let's just, let's just say the number's two years. Let's just throw out that number just for sake of a number. Well, when that number comes up and we think about it, you know, how long, how long were you engaged and dating? Your total dating and engagement, how long did it take you to get married? Let's see if anybody can, let's see if you, you remember how long it was? About two years. Okay. One, three years. You are kind of slow with things. I could see that. Three years. Um, anybody else? Caroline and I were a year and a half, a year and seven months. She was an older woman that wanted to get married right away, and I was just a young 21-year-old. So, Anybody else remember? Ryan and Lori are thinking about back there. About a year and a half. Cruz and Allison, four years. You guys were kids, though. So, yep. Joel and Maria, five years. How about you two up here? First or second time. Combine. You gotta combine it all. It's all part of the story, the history. Ten years? Complicated story. All right. Sometime sometime we'll have to I think I've heard most of it already. It sounds like it's complicated, but it's just anyway, yeah. How about Edna? A year and a half. So, let's just say you get married about a year and a half or so. And what happens is, if you do things God's way, the first time you live together is after you get married. You honestly, when you get married, 
you do not know that person you're marrying very well. You do not know all the details. about. You don't know everything about them. You know, if you've lived together, I guess you would know more. But when you live together, for, you don't know any. You don't even know, you know, what laundry detergent do you use? I don't use laundry detergent. Oh, okay. No, you know how. I did. I was just being funny there. But the thing is, you don't know a person very well. And in all reality, Caroline and I were talking about this a while back. When we got married, we thought we loved each other. We thought we loved each other. But we now know, going on 16 years in a couple months, that we do love each other. It's not something, it's not, is Caroline, and, and we could ask her the question, is Brian everything you thought he was when you married him? She'd probably say no. You know, if I were to go through my faults, I'm not very good about putting my clothes away. That's, I'm not very good about it. I try sometimes. I try, to be, I try to be organized, but I'm the furthest thing from organized. And Caroline is an organized person. So we work well together. She organizes my messes, and it all works out just fine. We are, there are a lot of things that we are a lot alike, but there are lots of things, you know, a lot of differences. When we got married, I thought that I loved her. But as I said, after 16 years, I do love her. The difference is love is a choice. It's not some make-believe, fake reality. You choose to love. Get your Bibles. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You want to talk about love? Love is found in 1 Corinthians 13. This is what true love is. And when we think about it and we think about society and we think about those around us, our world does, you think about it. What, what's the number one cause of divorce nowadays? Irreconcilable differences. Let me help you out. There are irreconcilable differences between men and women. That's true. There is. The question becomes, do you fight to love that person that you said I do to? Or do you think that you can fall in love and start the process all over again? Some people think that the second marriage and the third marriage is going to be better than the first. The reality is, in the United States today, 40% of first-time marriages end in divorce. 40 to 42%. But did you know that second marriages, it goes up to 55% to 60% end in divorce, a second marriage? And if you get married three times, 75% of those end in divorce. It does not get better the more times you get married. The problem is we want those feelings that we had when we were dating and falling in love instead of choosing to love what God It's the big key. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at what it says about love. Are you ready? All right, let's look down at verse number 4. All right, charity, love, same thing. So, love is perfect. Love is bliss. It doesn't have morning breath. It does not get tired. Love is not flawed. Love is always charming. It never disagrees. 
Love never gets angry. It keeps the house clean. Love doesn't think the other person is annoying. Love laughs at all the jokes, even when they're not funny. Love is always happy, always warm. Love is always fuzzy. Love is always tingly. And love never fades. Is that what it says? You're like, what are you reading? Even, even other versions that get way off don't even go down that far. Look at what it says. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Charity or love suffereth long. Do you know what love is? Love is patient. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. Love is not puffed up. Love doesn't behave itself unseemly. Love doesn't seek her own. Love is not easily provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And love never fails. Love is a choice that we make. We read a minute ago that God is love. And his love was manifested to us in that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. God chose to love us and give us his son. We love him because he first loved us. God chose to love us. And when we think about marriage, when we think about loving others and the things of that nature, I want you to understand something tonight. That what reality will do, and that's the next point there, and uh, how does the in-love experience contribute to divorce? It's because reality leads to fighting and arguing, or they lead to withdrawing. And the options you have, do I choose to love this person? Or am I going to go back to that fake reality and try this all over again? Love is patience. That tells me there's going to be times that you need patience in your marriage. Your spouse isn't always going to be perfect. You need patience. Love is kind. There are going to be times when you don't want to be kind. But love is kind. Love doesn't build up itself. Love cares about others. You choose to love. And it's so important. The Bible way and doing things God's way really matters. You say, how can I have a good marriage? In all reality, we could sit here and talk to those who've been married for 56 years. Talk to those, my parents are going to be celebrating 60 years in a couple months here. And I've never seen two people love other more than my parents love one another. And I've never seen, and just in the past 10 years of my dad taking care of my mom, 
I see Christ's love all through everything he does for my mom. He loves her. Even when she can't get out of bed and do anything. They love each other. They don't like to spend time apart. And what it comes down to is, what do we got to do? Number one, got to deal with the issues. Got to deal with them. Your spouse is not going to be perfect. You got to deal with the issues and love in spite of the issues. And then number two, learn your spouse's love language and start to speak it. When we started this series in January, I used a fuel gauge and talked about it a little bit. Some of you are like, I don't remember that. Yeah, I know you don't remember what I preached on Sunday. That's okay. I don't, I don't remember what I preached on Sunday. Oh, I made the bread. Yeah, I remember what I preached on Sunday. Um, my job as a husband, as the Bible says, is to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. First thing I can say about that. I, I try, but I'm never going to be able to love her the way Christ loved the church. I can't. Realizing that, that's a big step. But also, that's the standard. That's what you want to, uh, that's like the Christian life. In the Christian life, your standard for Christianity is not a fellow Christian. Because you can find people that you can be better than, and that's not the standard. The standard's Jesus Christ. So my standard for marriage is to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And I'm never going to reach that in this lifetime. But I'm going to try. And what you need to do for your spouse, for your children, for those in your life that you love, the reason we went through the love languages is because what happens a lot of times is we love we feel love a certain way and what happens is we try to express love to others in our lives the same way that we feel or need love you come to my office sometime in marriage counseling and what I hear every single time the wife says, my husband doesn't love me. Every time. Is that true that he doesn't? No, he loves her. And then he's like, no, but I do this for you. And I do this. I vacuum, I remember a while back, I vacuum and I clean the house for you every week. You've never told me that I'm beautiful. That's what she wants to hear. It might be that words of affirmation is her love language. You need to learn your spouse and learn those in your life and learn to show them love the way they need love. That's what love is. Love is not me loving you however I do, and if you don't like it, you can lump it. No, true love is my wife, this is her love language. I need to speak her love language. She needs to know that I love her. Tonight I could tell you exactly what Caroline's love languages are. I know them. And I do my best to show her my love. 
there are times that she doesn't feel that love. That's part of not being perfect. But I've got four kids in my house. And each one of them, they feel their love is different, each one of them. Some of them just need time. So I can't just go buy them things. I need to spend time with them. Some need a note. There's lots of different things. If I truly love somebody, I'm going to learn what they need and give them what they need and show them love. As a pastor of a church, it's a little harder because there's a lot of people and there are lots of different people that their their language is a lot different. But if I'm going to be a good pastor, I need to learn how to speak love to you as well. That's why you notice I've I've stepped up on some things. I try to remember birthdays and anniversaries better. I give a little gift. Some people in this room could care less if I gave you a $5 gift card to Starbucks. But some of you in this room, a $5, and you say $5 doesn't even get me much at Starbucks. I know it doesn't anymore. It's the thought that counts, okay? It's the thought that counts. Just get plain coffee and add your little bit of creamer and drink the burnt coffee from there. It'll be okay. Others, notes, were, there's lots of different things. A selfish person is in their marriage, in their life, for people to love them and make them feel good. A Christ-centered person is looking out at others and how can I love them? You know, my satisfaction, and this is, this is what I hear in marriage counseling in my office often, from both sides. I just want to feel your love. I want you to love me. I could reverse that and help you out. If you seek to love your spouse, you're going to feel loved. You need to see, and this is the thing, my goal is to love her with everything I got. I'm not worried about what she does for me. That's not what I was called to do. I'm to love her as Christ loved the church. Does the church always do good things for them? No, the church does a lot of bad things too. But Christ loves the church unconditionally. And if we could get into, the, get into this area of loving our spouses, loving our children, loving one another. You know what could happen in a church if God's people could just love, one, love each other? You realize what could happen? It could be a great place. It could be what Christ designed it to be. We're all going to spend eternity in heaven together. Think about that one. It's going to happen. That's a long time. But I hope that you'll take what we've learned and even go back and listen again. And I would encourage you, you might say, I don't know what my spouse's love language is. Well, if you love them, find out. and Figure it out. Say, well, how much? Why don't you talk to them about what they like? Communication is big. You know one of the big problems we have in marriage today? There's little communication. And maybe communication isn't good for you. Pick up your cell phones and text each other back and forth then maybe. Maybe that would work and you could figure out with one another. I'm teasing with that. Do yourself a big favor if you put your cell phone down when you're with your spouse or with your kids. We could all do better in that area. But learn what their love language is and love them how they need to be loved.
You'll be amazed how that all worked. I look, and that was my mom. Talk about love. My mom grew up in a home where there was not a whole lot of love in her home. I mean, just some of the stories I've heard. And literally the first time my mom heard that she was loved from her mom was on her wedding day when she was 16. She got married at 16. My mom had a very unique way, and God gifted her with it, to show God's love to everybody. She has that. Where it came from, the Lord gave it to her. But she's very good. And the ladies in the church, her class that she taught for years, her kids' class, um, her husband, her kids, there is no doubt that we all know that she loves us. And she loves us all in different ways, the way that we need love. And she's shown it for 76 years that she's been alive. And she didn't learn it from her house. I think she learned it from God. And I would encourage you, he that knoweth not love doesn't know love because you don't know God. Because God is love. Young people in the room, I want to encourage you, you need to know God. Spend your teenage years and your young adult years, that early stage there, getting a relationship with God because he will teach you how to love and it's going to help you in those relationships as you go forward. Be honest, a teenager doesn't know how to love. When I was dating at 21 and 20 and 21, I didn't know how to love. I'm starting to learn now. Still got a lot of work to go. I'm starting to learn. 1 Corinthians 13 teaches you how to love. We've gone through the different love languages. Take them, apply them, and use them, and let it be a help to your home. Father,